Welcome to Post Status Draft, the official podcast for Post Status, a website with news and information for WordPress professionals. Today, Brian Richards and I talk about the maturation of the WordPress market and uh, what innovation looks like from here. We get pretty big picture in uh, this conversation, talking about uh, what we think the future of digital experiences looks like, but we also do some stuff related to uh, the product space and, and that kind of thing. If you enjoy this podcast, you can get a lot more quality news and analysis from the Post Status Club. Check out current club members, site partners, and join the club at our website at poststatus.com slash club. You'll be joining more than 900 wonderful club members, and you'll never miss important WordPress news again. Today, I'd like to feature one of our partners, SearchWP. SearchWP makes searching in WordPress better and easier. You can make custom search engines and include all sorts of data that's not in WordPress by default. It's a really, really terrific plugin. Uh, that I'm personally excited about using on a, on a new project right now. So go to searchwp.com to learn more about that. And thank you for the great team at SearchWP for being a post-status partner. Now, here's our show. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian Krogsgaard, and I'm the editor of PostStatus. And I'm Brian Richards, the creator and founder of WP Sessions. And welcome to another episode of the PostStatus Draft Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the maturing ecosystem uh, here in WordPress land and our own perceptions of change. But before we dive into that, let's talk about some current events. Krogsgaard, what, uh, what kind of things do you have for us? Uh, there's two things that I thought were worth highlighting today. Both of these have happened in the past uh, few weeks, but we had very targeted discussions the last couple of weeks. So um, I thought now would be a good time to discuss. One is that uh, and this is a people employee type of thing, but it's big enough, I think, to warrant some discussion. Uh, and that is that WordPress.com has a new president. So basically a director of that whole line of business. They've brought someone in. His name's Kinsey Wilson uh, to, to be the president of WordPress.com. So a full on product manager of all things um, .com. And of course, Automatic has uh, several legs of their business. They've got WordPress.com, they've got Jetpack, they've got WooCommerce, they've got .blog, um, and other projects. But those are kind of the the big uh, legs of the stool, if you will. When I interviewed Matt Mullenweg in Europe a year or two ago, he kind of identified those as those those primary legs of the business. And um, so now WordPress.com is getting a, a person in charge of all things.com. And I thought that was fascinating. What do you think? It is fascinating. The The thing I find most interesting about this is that there wasn't an article from Mashable or TechCrunch, at least, or any of those outlets that I saw that said something to the effect of, meet the new president of 25% of the internet. I thought for <laughs> sure that uh, someone less well-versed in the, the differences between .com and .org and automatic versus everything would have perhaps misconstrued that. Um, and I'm a little disappointed, honestly, because how cool you like would it be? Correcting them? I no. Uh, I just I enjoy sensationalized headlines like that. Like meet the president of 25 percent of the internet. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it was covered from Pointer, uh, which is kind of a journalism website, and I found it interesting because uh, Kinsey Wilson has uh, an editorial background. He was the um, chief content officer of NPR, and he was the head of all things digital at the New York Times. And, you know, we know the New York Times has used WordPress. Um, so he has been in charge of some really big institutions in terms of uh, news and, and programming, that kind of stuff. 
Uh, and to bring someone from that side of things to run WordPress.com, which is a software product, is an interesting angle, I guess. So Yeah, it's a logical angle to me. Uh, it is, but it's not a technical one. Like I'm sure he has plenty of technical background running those projects, but like this is what I would say feels it feels content first. So it's putting the putting the words first almost to me. Yeah. And we've we've talked about this I don't actually know if we've talked about this on the podcast you and I, but we we've talked about things like this off and on elsewhere about how um so often people in the WordPress space sort of lose sight of the purpose of what they're building, right? We me as a developer, especially, and other developers of plugins and such, think about the cool technical prowess of what they have produced. Like, look at the the feats of this. And the at the end of the day, what matters is what sort of things it's accomplishing, what sort of problems it's solving. So WordPress.com doesn't exist as a software platform. It exists as a distribution platform, as a content platform. And so bringing in a person who understands content distribution really well in my mind, is a really good next step if they want to better solidify themselves as you know, a, a stronger alternative to Medium uh, or to Facebook where people are just essentially giving their content to these other platforms to know uh, so they can do who knows what. Yeah, so I look forward to seeing what he brings to the table. And, you know, this is, I'd say, another in a series of steps they've been taking there's a director for their WooCommerce branch now, uh, and then they've brought in some some big folks to be in charge of design and marketing. So uh, Automatic's really beefing up their management team, which I think is good when you're uh, upwards of 700 employees now. So uh, congratulations to them for bringing on what looks like a, a great addition to their team. And yeah, I think we'll probably have some coverage around um, this this sort of thing as we as we go forward. Uh, also in the, in the land of big names, um, the other news item that I thought would be fun to cover is, uh, Google digging into WordPress a little bit, um, I guess in a more formal way. So I read about this in a a blog post by Alberto Medina, who is a Googler, um, he wrote about how, uh, Google is looking to actively engage, expert WordPress developers and also within the WordPress ecosystem broadly. So uh, do you want to describe more what they mean by that and what they're looking to do? Yeah. So we've seen Google showing up and and working with the core team or other agencies in the WordPress space um, by helping contribute to the, you know, the AMP plugin, by contributing to the Tide project that has been led largely by um, the folks at XWP, and now uh, it sounds like they want to get even further entrenched in the space by bringing on paid Google staff, hiring new people specifically to fill that role, um, to bring more WordPress experience uh, to Google's team, and to bring more Google experience and integrations back to the WordPress team. And that, I think, is a really big deal. We've also yeah. talked about this offline uh, quite extensively about how. Yeah, this, go ahead. I was just to say this is much more uh, active and progressive of a involvement than responsive. Uh, so historically, I would say, aside from some things like sp- sponsoring, you know, Google Summer of Code participants that were geared towards WordPress, like Google has had a responsive uh, attitude towards 
whatever's happening in WordPress, even though it's such a large percentage of the web. And this is very uh, active, very progressive, bringing bringing WordPress in-house in the sense of being a, a first-class citizen of Google's concerns, which I think is warranted <laughs> considering WordPress is freaking massive. Right. Uh, so for them to have a desire to uh, bring positive change to WordPress, I think is good. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I mean, WordPress, right? What, what is the current percentage stat? Do you happen to know uh, that hand? I usually just say 30% now. I think it's 29 point something. Yeah. Um, so nearly a third of the sites that Google is indexing are WordPress sites. So it would make sense that they would want to know more. And um, I've I've gathered from sort of the things that Yoast shares that they have a very good working relationship with the team in Google Search, which mm-hmm. makes sense, right? They're building an SEO product. Um, so it's not like Google is around being oblivious to the project, but them taking this active, as you said, this active stance and approach to uh, hiring somebody specifically to work with WordPress core um, and to to sort of sounds like this person is going to be kind of their initial liaison, but I imagine this could lead to a trend of them having many people on staff that are working with the core project, and that could create quite an interesting shift in in terms of the direction of core itself, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, one of the things I've covered over the years in terms of uh, you could call it threats to WordPress. It's not necessarily a threat to WordPress's future quality. It's more of like word control over the WordPress ecosystem. Right. Is that right now we have big companies, but they're not like monster companies that are influencing the project. And almost all of them are doing that in a very goodwilled way. There's a lot of uh, aligned incentives, whether you're Automatic or GoDaddy or, or EIG or uh, whoever you know the big companies are that are using WordPress a lot and therefore have an interest in it being improved. Uh, the, the, the big elephants that could come in and stomp all over WordPress in good ways, maybe bad ways, I don't know. Uh, the ones I've always thought of were, what if Google got involved? What if Amazon got involved, uh, you know, like these really, really huge companies. What happens if they decide WordPress is on our on our list of things to uh, pay attention to <laughs> right. in a big way? Yeah, right. Right now, we think about, uh, or at least I think about teams like Ten Up contributing two or three employees, Human Made contributing a few. Like that's a big right. deal to have. Like. Okay, we're going to allocate this part of our staff that would normally be doing production work to work on this core project that we use and benefit from because that is as valuable to us as selling their billable hours. And Automatic being able to contribute, you know, a dozen or so people more at at present, right, as as people are working on Gutenberg, that's a big deal. But to somebody like Google, throwing 50 people, 100 people at this would be almost like nothing compared to their overall staff percentage. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that 50 people is realistic, but even if they had a team of, you know, if they do end up with a team of 5 or 10, that'll instantaneously make them probably the second or third largest uh contributor to WordPress in terms of number of people focused on it. Right. Uh, yeah, that there's um from my perspective around 30 really active contributors. I mean, there's there's plenty, and I I hesitate putting a number like that here on the record. Yeah, well, there's, there's publicly hundreds of people contributing every release, but the vast majority of those people get like one or two 
things that end up in the core software or whatever. Um, there, there's a smaller group that's contributing significantly more of their attention and uh, yeah, and I'd effort. say more than like you know ten or twenty percent of their active programming time is spent towards WordPress. Right, and so for Google to show up and have five people who are contributing all of their active programming time, that's would, a lot. Right, that's that's a sixth, uh, or yeah, what right? Um, that's huge. Yeah. So that's uh, for now. I think that's good news. I think we'll see some uh, real tangible benefits to WordPress thanks to Google's investment. So props to them. Yeah. And if you're looking for an awesome gig, by the way, it sounds like this one <laughs> could be it. If you want to work more with Core, if you want to work with Google, if you want to see what it's like to get paid to work on open source stuff. If you want uh, to live in California. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, assuming, assuming, I don't know if that's true, but minor uh, details. Yeah. Uh, before we get into discussing the maturing ecosystem, I do want to thank our partner for today, which is Search WP. If you've never used Search WP, uh, it simply makes search better in WordPress. So you can create custom search engines where you index uh, PDF and document content or custom fields, even the output from short codes. You can include taxonomy terms and how you weight them. You can adjust what's important in your search. Uh, search WP is definitely the easiest and most extensive, like out-of-the-box search solution for WordPress. Um, if you want to create search that's specific to just a single post type, if you want to integrate it with faceted search, there's uh, integration with a, a complementary product, all sorts of stuff that you can do with Search WP. It's a really great product. I'm actually working to integrate Search WP on a new website right now, and it's extremely exciting because uh, I'm I'm just looking forward to the benefits that it'll bring to the search experience on that website. So you mean like people actually being able to find your content? People actually being able to find your content and what finding value in search. So uh, yeah, it's really rad. Um, it's more perf- much more performant than regular search as well, um, but it's still in the same database. And you know, while they're once you get to a certain size, there that may be a challenge. Um, but the way they do it is very smart and efficient. So, in terms of making fast search within MySQL, it's probably about as good as you can get. So, thank you to Search WP for being a post status partner, and go to searchwp.com to check it out for yourself. All right. Um, so our main topic today is to discuss the maturing ecosystem in the WordPress community. Uh, what are we even talking about when we when we say that? Well, as you know, WordPress is getting up there in years, and it's time to start thinking <laughs> about assisted living. And it's so no, old. We're, it's a teenager. So there was an awful lot of volatility to the WordPress ecosystem ten years ago, right? Twelve years ago, as as things were getting started, and much of the tooling and services that we use now uh, not existing. And now here we are, a dozen years later, and practically all of the things we might want to build have some kind of solution in place. It might not be the best solution, but right if you look at form building, uh, Gravity Forms was the first commercial plugin that I know of. Um, that was a big deal to have a, a paid plugin for building form. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the first form building plugin, uh, but it definitely changed the market. And now there continue to be tons of form plugins, um, many of which are paid. But more than that, there are many, many, many other plugins as well that now exist that are paid either for the plugin itself or for add-on services that are provided by the creator of the plugin. Um, 
the we saw the rise and fall of the theme market and mm. so many other things that it it doesn't seem like there is that much new or exciting things happening there there's certainly no no shortage of things happening but they they don't seem to be all that different to things that have already happened in the past yeah and and that's that's not our attempt to say that like it's not important or there's not value being created it's just that in terms of innovation uh i personally see innovation being isolated to certain areas and some of the stuff that's driving the majority of product revenue is not too different from what we've seen for many years now um it's funny that you mentioned the the theme market. I actually was looking up some old posts of mine last night, and I wrote one in 2010 that essentially predicted the lack of uh, big profitability in the theme market in the future. Um, and that was purely because there's a relatively low barrier to entry to creating a theme in WordPress, and therefore, as the demand for you know nice WordPress themes increased, you would just have more people providing that service rather than uh, you know, few people making more money. Right. We really saw that play out with themes. And, um, you know, some people, first movers did really well. A handful of people that just became so uh, visible did really well. But the the long tail is really a low profitability sector of the WordPress economy. And I know personally, like my coverage of themes has all but gone away purely because it's like, there's just not a lot going on there. And, um kind of the best you see now is maybe people making enough money selling themes to power uh, a one-person business, uh, aside from a few big players. But those big players are really holding on to what they've been doing for a long time, and they're looking to diversify into other things as that market slips away from them Bingo. for the same reason. Um and now, from a product revenue perspective, we're mostly seeing product revenue from uh, commercial plugins that are selling access to updates and support, um, because of course the code itself is GPL, um, but the, the they can essentially limit distribution. Um, the newer realm, like more of where I guess a lot of effort is being put in, is creating SaaS products or software as a service or other. Uh, I don't know what you call that, like hosted style services to improve the WordPress experience. That's where a lot of the effort is going and the a lot of money is being made. I think at the same time, people are learning that it's not easy. You know, like you're earning those customers one at a time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and it's uh, a lot of times it can be more uh, niche solutions, I guess, than what you see when it's just like selling a generic theme to the whole WordPress economy. Yeah. And I'd say um, much of this is thanks to the um, the maturing of the people who are producing these things. So in 2010, when you wrote that theme article, that was when we were finally starting to move, I'd say, away from themes being an all-inclusive, self-contained solution to running a site, right? There were things like church themer and band themer um, and these these niche specific themes um, that brought with them all of the functionality that you would need to run a church website or a band website or or whatever, because that's what people were looking for, right? They were looking for a turnkey solution of like, okay, I just want to install the one thing that I need to make this website and move along. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew back then, we certainly know now that 
trying to put all of this functionality into a theme is just bad news bears because it provides many opportunities for something to break. And if what you've made isn't precisely the solution that someone's looking for, it's very difficult for them to sort of surgically remove that one feature of the theme and supplant it with a plugin that could do it better. And they mm -hmm. end up with these really awkward and broken and complicated messes. Um, and so now... What's, <laughs> what's funny is I don't think the demand went away from that. It's just that they we, we all came to the realization of the problems um, trying to operate an entire website centered around the theme because you can never then change it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the way these themes were structured, like your whole website design was tied to this WordPress theme, but your functionality did as well. So like to use the, I don't know, the a, a podcasting theme. And like now the way you store your podcast information, all that data, whatever custom stuff that was there, like it's all locked in. So whenever you redo something, you have to map all of that functionality to the, um, to the, whatever the new thing is that you built. So we saw people slowly pull away from that, go into the plugin ecosystem but the 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 desire for turnkey is still there like oh, for the sure. install and go in the in the near term the early part of someone's website experience is still better so like a customer loves it uh, until they have to redo it um, and even though now best practice is to separate it out you kind of have this building block problem when you're building a wordpress website now where you're like well to get this you need you know these 10 plugins and they each might have their own licensing plus some are free plus some are github only and like that's kind of its own mess and that brings us to the demand for a potential SaaS solution um or even if it's just an all-inclusive solution but it's like a plugin suite to go along with the design of the theme and that way the any old theme can work and then your functionality is in this this all-encompassing plugin yep such and, as Jetpack. Yeah, such as Jetpack. And that's a very broad-based one, but you can do it for, you know, a whole plug-in suite for churches or bands or whatever these other niches are. And um, I think that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, WordPress product companies survive well, is like they're catering to a market. Yes. Um, and I think that's also where there's still a lot of potential. Like I keep going into this for years now about the potential that I see in hosted uh, website solutions using WordPress as the tooling for that, uh, but geared towards a specific industry. Um, I think there's a good bit of money to be made there, but it's not easy. You know, you're 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 marketing from the ground up within that industry. You don't get the benefit of saying like, oh, well, we do WordPress stuff because the customer is not going to care about that. Exactly. Yeah. But they're going to get all the benefits of what WordPress brings to the table. The including the ability to leave your platform and keep the functionality because it's WordPress. Um, so there's a lot of potential there, but it's just very different. And we're seeing, um, you know, you see over time with a maturing ecosystem, you see the f drawbacks of the way you did things before and the benefits of the uh, way you can do things now. And it's it takes effort to change that. And, you know, there's all sorts of other consequences potentially. Um, and, I, you know, not a lot of software projects really get to that point because not a lot of software projects are teenagers. Yeah, that's right. And so to, to belabor the point on themes for just a moment longer, um, now that most themes are strictly a presentation layer, um, it's not as applicable to cover all of the new themes that are coming out because they are, in, in effect, just a different aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense for those to be a news item because those 
Like we've got people like Mike McAllister who are running array themes uh, and doing really well at making just these beautiful, simple themes. Um, but there are scores of other people out there who might have a theme that they've made. I found a beautiful yeah. one recently that was originally a WordPress.com theme that's now freely available to the public. And it's, I, I don't even know how someone would, would share news about that because the aesthetic is useful for a specific case, right? It's not just saying like, here, come here for themes for everything because that's not what mm -hmm. you want. You want come here for themes that are really well made for uh, a blog, really well made for an artist's portfolio, really well made for... Yeah. And I'm yep. not trying to discount Whatever. beautiful design at all. Um, it's just hard to hard to give a whole lot of focus when all you're really saying is, here's a really nice presentation layer for a website that exactly. is uh, blue <laughs> and it has a nice homepage template. <laughs> you know, like um, that's not innovation per se. Right. And that's and, not the kind of news that people are that, that we're looking to to read either. Yeah. So when when we're talking about like the type of stuff we pay attention to or cover or whatever, most of that's going to be centered around functionality and uh, the underlying systems that are at play. Right. The purpose of what's being yeah. built. And maybe that's partly because we're developers and not uh, primarily designers, although both of us design all our own stuff. Um, I think covering the industry or like looking at the industry from a purely design perspective is not really getting a uh, a great look at what the industry is now. Yeah. Um, and as we... I say, uh, go ahead. Uh, just throwing one more uh, thing into what encompasses a maturing ecosystem is we are seeing more and more uh, host-led stuff, whereas it used to be like you begged a host to do something to make WordPress work better for their big shared hosting platforms. And then they all realized like 40, 50, 60% of their customers were using WordPress and they were like, man, we need to pay attention to this. And over the years, that's evolved into them creating experiences that are uh, significantly different and more enhanced than what you get out of the box from WordPress. And we're now seeing this, and this is part of a maturing ecosystem, what you get, we're seeing this aggregation and the, this uh, consolidation of companies, features, and everything else going into these host experiences that are then differentiated uh, per host. Um, and that's a huge theme that I'm seeing right now and uh, you know something that's certainly worth covering. So a lot of, I would say a lot of my own content and then what I'm thinking about, who I'm talking to, is really pretty host-driven these days rather than like, you know, some specific product company or something. Yeah, that I would say is a pretty good take. Um, and it matches what I've been seeing as well. Uh, I wonder how deep that will go too. Like, do you think that it'll, like right now we're seeing it from stuff that are very complement, stuff that's very complementary to a host. So like maybe it's, uh, you know, a handful of themes that are out of the box, like specific for that host that their customers can utilize with page builders built in. Or maybe it's, uh stuff like site monitoring. Like, you know, we just saw Liquid Web acquire iThemes and part of that is to bring in iThemes Sync and stuff like that. You know, so or manage WP to GoDaddy. Like, some, sometimes it's utility things. At what point do you think it'll be even more defined? So it'll be like, uh, you know, a host literally owns one of the form building plugins and like every every person using that host has this form builder built in or, some, you know, that type of granularity. Yeah, so... I would say we're closer to that now than we've ever been before, and this. Do you think in, it's a good idea? So for that example, no. But um, 
but this plays in really nicely to what you were mentioning before with sort of these niche verticals, right? Building building a SaaS around, um, you know, a, a podcasting site or a church site or or a politician site, um, where the end user, the customer, the person creating the site doesn't care what the tech is behind it; they just want to be able to easily get their stuff online. And um, we're already seeing hosts move in this direction. Once again, like with the LiquidWeb example, uh, bringing managed WooCommerce hosting to the table, which isn't just we've optimized the server to, to handle the load, which would be good enough. We've also created additional reporting interfaces for you to give you better insights into what you're doing. Um, and... And I think we're going to see that happening more at the hosting level. Because like you said, it's really difficult to build a comprehensive solution like that. If you're the person who made right the podcasting plugin, you're not about to go and build out all of the infrastructure to host podcasting websites and also bring in podcasting uh, friendly themes and all of the other tech that someone is likely going to want for their podcast-based site. You're going to... Uh, I would expect to find that hosts are more capable of doing that because they've already got half of the problem figured out, which is how do we make this stuff run really well? Okay, what other tools do we need to bring into this? And they could dedicate a small team to building that out and seeing if it's going to be useful or not. And if it's not, if it flops, they're not going to lose their business. They yeah. just reallocate those staff. When we think about uh, what are the big drivers for someone having a website in the first place. Uh, the, typically, it's to generate awareness, generate leads. Um, and historically, that has been whether you're offering a phone number or an email address or a contact form. Uh, and, you know, contact form is a great example because, like, that led to lead generation through the website. Um, and that's why that was such an obvious, huge market for, for WordPress is forms, like, Yep. Uh, and providing that interface for creating dynamic forms that increase your number of leads and contacts and whatever else that comes through. Um, well, and it, I guess before that, it was it was blogging and comments and feedback in that way. Uh, and then we 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 transitioned and we've really had a huge chapter that we're still in, but it's becoming more and more a part of WordPress as a whole, and that's e-commerce. Uh, and that's still the same thing. Like the point of the website is to sell something, you know. So like you're. You're, you have this website for a purpose, and it's to bring people's attention to your products and then actually follow through and buying them, doing that all through WordPress. Would you care to do any stargazing and say, like, here are some other big chapters that WordPress has ahead of it in terms of the purpose of of what the website is, what we're gonna what we anticipate people may be doing with that website? Uh, in addition to e-commerce, because e-commerce has been really one of the biggest product drivers. For WordPress, like a lot of the businesses that we see, they're they're e-commerce related. You know, those are the ones that are succeeding because that's been such a giant chapter of bringing people onto the web, not only with their content but with their stores. So, do you see an, an additional evolution in the future that can create something else, maybe not quite as big as e-commerce, but significant like e-commerce has been? That's a really good question, and I wish I had a really good answer for you. I think. It's going to take us a while to get there, uh, and you you tapped into a lot of very smart points here, right? The the original purpose of a website was to be um, a lead capture or lead gen tool. If we look back to the beginning, that's the mid that's the mid tier because the first was more like Yahoo 
you want to, you know, <laughs> you know, like someone goes to Yahoo, there's curated information. You go to the website and here's the information. So information distribution. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming right back to that because it all okay, eventually points there, but that's good. Um, so, so using a, a small business, creating a website was to attract their leads. And that was to get their phone number out there, as you said, eventually to get a form out there to, to collect more information, to better qualify those leads at the beginning. Um, and then it evolved thanks to the proliferation of e-commerce and how easy it is to sell things online now, thanks to help from PayPal originally, now driven largely by what Stripe and Square and all of these other payment platforms have provided us. Um, and then the tooling built in um, using solutions like WooCommerce, where we could sell virtually anything now we no longer need to just collect and qualify the leads, but we can also sell them whatever product or service it is that they're after. So if you're a coffee shop, you can sell them your coffee, either your roasted coffee or a cup of coffee or a subscription service where they're getting bags of coffee uh, all directly from your own website. They don't need to come to your store to make that transaction. They don't even have to live in the same country as you in some cases. Um, and if we think about other other trade businesses uh, like plumbers and handymen and things like that, they could also start selling their initial consultation. So it's not just call us, we'll come and we'll give you a paper invoice that you can pay on the spot or later, but you could pay for that consultation ahead of time so that they know you're a super qualified lead before they even decide they want to come to your house. Um, and then we think about other businesses, like the ones that we interact with, people who are selling plugins and themes, the people who are selling their own web services. Uh, if you're an agency, most of what your website is, is educational, showing your craft, helping prospective clients to become actual clients by convincing them that you're able to do what they need. Um, that is harder to sell directly on the website because there's a lot of conversations that go into that sale. But eventually, your invoicing could also be part of your website. Um, you run the risk there of, of trying to put too many eggs in one basket. So I think the direction that we're moving is to more um, sort of diversified solutions. Um, so with the rise of SaaS, it's not that my website has all of the features that I need in order to run my business, but my website is connected to all of the things that I need to run my business. So when a lead comes in through a form on my website, they automatically go into my CRM where I can further qualify and interact with them. And when it's time to create a proposal, all of the stuff that came in from my form that went to the CRM can now go to the proposal writing tool and I can build a really good quality proposal for them. And then when it's time for them to pay that, my proposal tool feeds into my invoicing solution and I can cut out invoices and everything is all tied together. And perhaps if we keep on with this agency example, your website is the hub for you and your clients where they can come and see, here's our proposal, here are all of our invoices, here's all of the communication that we had. Um, but perhaps it's just the launching point to get to those things. Um, yeah. I, what? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I definitely agree that um, the idea of treating your website as your hub for operations and getting the benefits of certain things, owning your data, for instance, like you're not uh, as susceptible to a third party provider for them b existing. <laughs> you it's, know, if they go yes. out. If they go out of business, all your leads go away, or you know, like who knows what could happen. Um, and people over time coming to further value uh, 
owning the hub of information, but also creating nice experiences in that in those systems. And right now, what we miss sometimes is like, if you do all that stuff in WordPress, it's not that you can't store data that way, it's that the experience isn't necessarily great uh, managing your leads through WordPress or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I, I think there are a couple of uh, examples of hubs. One is the business example that you use where your lead generation, your invoicing, things like that could potentially go through your website, through a single business entity that as a whole ends up making you feel and look very professional and much less, uh, not to mention organized. The other hub that I think we should see more importance in, and I don't know that this will ever come true, but I would, in my war, in my view, I would like to see it is your social hub. So right now, my tweets are tied to Twitter. My Facebook posts are tied to Facebook. And whatever Facebook wants to do with that, whatever you know they choose to do with my content, I would much rather see myself uh, or see my digital life as a hub on my own website where I distribute to those other places, but essentially I'm not locked in by them. So that what I created is on my website, and then I send that out to those other avenues. And that could be anything. Like I, I bring it all the way down to like, what am I, um, what am I reading? Like if I integrate with good, uh, is it Goodreads? Yeah. Goodreads, the website for talking about what books you're reading. Like that's part of a social hub and a social fabric that you can create. I think is really interesting to own on your own domain. Um, and I still think that's a really great opportunity for someone to create like a plugin plus display business where, you have what's your what's your homepage? You know, like I don't want it to be my Facebook page, but I would like to be able to create content that does go out to my Facebook page, my Twitter, my other social elements that I use. But like my, if you want to get a picture of my life, there, seeing value of offering that on your own website, so that when you go to crogsguard.com, you get that. Whereas right now, crogsguard.com, which is my personal blog, like it's like, well, this guy's not doing anything because uh, he hasn't posted on his personal blog and. Uh, <laughs> more than a couple times this year, but then you go to Twitter or somewhere like that, and it's like bam, bam, all over the place. Where can we draw these things in and um, establish the website as a hub as being an important thing? I think that's potentially a interesting future for WordPress. Yes, and this there there are two incredible things that we're sort of dancing around here that I really want to pull out. Um, one is that we are. Presently in the information age, right? Right. Historically, we had you know the gold age, the bronze, bronze age, um, stone age, etc. And so, <laughs> going back there, going going all the way back. Uh, once upon a time, our our entire universe and everything that we know was created. Um, so so we're in the information age, uh, and we we hear that all over the place, right? But it's very true. Uh, what most people are selling through the internet or providing through the internet is information. Where is this business located? When is this business open? What does this business do? How do I do blank? Right? YouTube uh, is full of cat videos and how-to videos. And the second is far more interesting for uh, far more reasons. For instance, there are many problems that I can solve personally that I would have had to formally hired a plumber or an appliance repairman to do that have now been uh, taught to me courtesy of YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's all of this information that is vastly more accessible, and that's largely what people are selling and, and procuring um, through the internet. Um, 
And the the other thing related to that is how much easier it is now for anyone to start a business in practically any field. And I was thinking about this recently, like if if I were to move into some other industry, what industry could I move into? And and would it seem like I have superpowers because I have all of this experience building websites, uh, experience around video production and marketing and content production and things like that? Um, and that, that the came, information side of the business, right? Um, and I have uh, a growing interest in the hobby of woodworking. I have a small wood shop that I've outfitted in my garage, and that grew from watching lots and lots of YouTube videos because there are so many people out there producing content that there's entire uh, um, categories. I guess, groups of people, and the one that I happen to identify with are woodworkers. And it started out by looking up videos from this PBS show called The New Yankee Workshop, which I loved as a kid. <laughs> My dad called him the gadget man um, compared to uh, the, the, the other woodworking shows. But he had like a tool dedicated, a power tool dedicated to solving some kind of small problem. Lots of single purpose tools. It was almost ridiculous. Uh, but I enjoyed watching it because it was cool to see him make this you know, 19th century piece of furniture using 21st century technology over the span of a few hours. Uh, and now there are tons of people who can do that. And there are some that I like a lot uh, who just happen to know video production slightly better than the other guys who just know woodworking really well. And so mm-hmm. it's a shame that there are these really high quality woodworkers out there that I'll never get to see or interact with because I either they aren't making videos or the videos they make aren't ones that I would ever want to watch because the video quality is terrible, the audio quality is terrible. They're just not cut together really well. And so I wonder about, like, if I could take the skills that I have and move into another industry like woodworking, would I suddenly become, uh, you know, like someone who has superpowers? Like if I started making just cutting boards, for example, would I become just the best cutting board manufacturer and salesman in my area because I happen to know how to uh, put those things on Instagram and Facebook and sell them through my own website and create a distribution network? Or would I just be another person out there who happens to be making cutting boards? I have a related question for you. Yeah. We're kind of talking about bringing uh, in-person experience to the web. Um, And right now, that's limited to people that can do that really well in video production and whatnot. One would anticipate that maybe uh, there will be new technologies, faster speeds, whatever it is, that essentially make the creation and distribution of video content faster. Um, And historically, the web was so focused on text because text was what we could deliver. Right. And we've seen over time as uh, photography, of course, and then also uh, audio and video have increased. That has further and further uh, been a significant part of the web. And we're, you look at media organizations and they're all starting to look at video. Or and closing right down now, the video. Yeah, and, or, and then closing it down because it's expensive to do well and difficult. Um, but we've still seen this proliferation of user-created video and like the long tail of video content. Um, but right now, that's almost all created on these external platforms. And sometimes they're designed to disappear. Like I, That drives me absolutely bonkers to think someone would want to create something like a Snapchat that purposefully create, uh, goes away in 24 hours. To me, that's antithetical to the web and the beauty of the web. Um, so one of my questions for what role WordPress can play in this digital future is, um, do you think WordPress or you know self-hosted content 
own stuff you own yourself, like is video going to be a part of that? Or are we essentially just giving it to YouTube and whoever else that, you know, Periscope or whoever is uh, making it easy to create that type of content? Because this is a whole new level of like, wow, this is really hard to do well and make fast and, you know, all these things that make video a challenge. Uh, can can Will there ever be a time where owning that content is a part of what we own on, on our own domain as well? Or are we just giving up because it's currently uh, restrictive in terms of bandwidth and everything else? Yeah, I think eventually it may be something that we own and control just the same as we own and control text because the web technology is catching up there as well, making it really easy to stream video to multiple sources without being a super huge drain on what you're doing. Um, The compression behind videos, making them even smaller, the internet speeds growing. Like there, There are so many different factors here that make something like video distribution easier over time. So I would expect that it is something that we can just as easily own and and distribute ourselves the same way that we distribute text. Um, We may choose not to because there will continue to be better um, experiences provided through things like YouTube. Um, I use Vimeo for hosting all of my stuff because it gets out of the way and is just really easy for me to say, I want this video embeddable on my site, but not elsewhere. But here's also a download link should someone want to take it and watch it offline. Um, but this this all comes back to the point I was trying to make before I fell into the tangent, is that uh, the tools that someone needs to operate a business are more accessible now than they've ever been. So you can go from, I have an idea about a business, to actually having a prototype of that business available for potential customers in a relatively short amount of time to both validate your idea and also run the business with a very small upstart cost, right? Starting a small business was a really big deal 20, 30 years ago. Uh, It required a a decent amount of savings to invest and a decent amount of time, and both of those have shrunk considerably. You do still want to have a lot of money and a lot of time so that you can invest yourself into it, but you can overlap starting a business with working at your current business or job uh, with a bit, I don't want to say less effort, but uh, fewer steps than ever before. Yeah. I want to draw this back to WordPress because I know it sounds like we're way off, but I think in reality, I'm just trying to think of what is WordPress going to look like in the future? So if we're a maturing ecosystem, are we going to commit to being a website content management system that allows you to do text and images and lead generation and e-commerce now? Or will there be a new frontier for us as people that focus on WordPress with our, uh, you know, our own energies. Will there be a new frontier of creating these digital hubs and allowing a website to be that? Because I don't think anyone else is really uh, on that battlefront, (laughs) you know, like the other people creating web experiences are doing it on centralized and and self-host, or I'm sorry, hosted platforms. So is WordPress going to play a role in that future? Is that a frontier of excitement? And if it is, are, is someone like Matt Mullenweg or whoever, you know, is leading the charge in the WordPress landscape, are they thinking about that, like that far out in the future? Or do you think not yet? I'd say most people are not. And the ones who are, aren't yet poised to make it a reality. And mm. if Most you, people are building websites to pay their bills. Right. And if you, dear listener, know about some things that we don't, please share some tips with us so that we can know about it too. Because these are the kind of cool things that... Uh, that we're looking to learn more about and to see more of and to share more 
broadly. Um, for instance, you mentioned how terrible it is that we're just giving our content and uh, and ourselves away to places like Facebook and Twitter. And I agree. And I want a more distributed solution. Um, and there's micro.blog that's sort of aiming at that where you own your site and your content is going there, but it's also aggregated through the micro.blog service so that it seems like Twitter where you put out your idea and people can see it and comment on it. And that comment exists on your site, but the comment also exists on their site so that should your site disappear in the night, their activity doesn't disappear with it. Yeah, I've long been intrigued by the idea of blending the uh, ownership of content with network effects that you get on centralized hubs. Yeah. And I think that that's where WordPress is an important element to me. Yeah. I think that's the the next frontier is is WordPress as a platform being able to better facilitate those kinds of things, the distribution of idea. I like it. Well, you know, this went like a totally different route than we initially planned, uh, at least in terms of the latter half of the conversation. But I like where it went. Maybe we'll uh, talk more about how a maturing ecosystem affects other things in WordPress on another episode, because uh, we were going to get into how a maturing ecosystem affects development of the core software, how it affects the community and those kinds of things. But I want to leave it here for now because I, I kind of like this flowery, dreamy landscape that we've got going on. Um, so where, what do you have going on and where should people go to check out what you're doing? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, I run WP Sessions. People who have been listening for the last few weeks know that already. Um, next month, so just a couple of weeks from now, I'm hosting Wes Boss, and he's going to be talking about async and await. So new tech available in JavaScript that all of us should be paying attention to because WordPress is becoming increasingly more JavaScript driven. And you can check out everything about that at WPSessions.com. You can follow WP Sessions on Twitter via at WP Sessions, or you can follow me as at Risen, R-Z-E-N. Cool. And go to poststatus.com slash club to see the club and poststatus.com to check out new stuff that's happened in there. Follow post underscore status on Twitter or at Krogsgard if you want my random thoughts that I've had these days. They're pretty good All and right. random. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. We'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye, everybody.